The Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. References. All right. Well, then let's uh, get right into it. Start. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Novice and Frank. That was a dramatic pause. It was a dramatic pause. Yeah. Uh, hi guys, welcome to the Novice and Frank. Uh, this is a comic book podcast, uh, so thank you for listening. And we're going to talk about some comic books. <laughs> Yay! Uh, I'm Amanda. I'm the novice. I'm Frank. I'm the Frank. That's right. He's the Frank. And we're going to talk about comic books. We're probably going to discuss some TV too. Why not? If it's uh, the Novice and Frank, it means we're going to go off on tangents. We probably will. Yeah. We love a good tangent. <laughs> uh, and before we do, we need to do our. The people are clamoring for our customary. Did you hear that, Amanda? I hold on. Wait. Oh my god, do the theme song. What? Oh, oh my all gosh. Right. Thank Fine, you, stranger sure. that just popped into this room. Yeah, here you go. We're going to do our uh, improvised theme song. I'm going to talk to you on the mic. And chat about what's going on in our lives. I will talk just like this. And I'll pretend it doesn't bother me when I look at your face and hear your voice talking like that. We'll be talking lots of comics. And maybe some media. I'll be talking to you on this microphone. We got new mics, which is why Frank is bringing it up. I hope we sound with swell here on The, the Novice and Frank. Frank. I said we'll swell. I hope we sound with swell. Please listen to us, everyone. That was my... Uh, Bob Burgum would be proud of you right now. Oh, thank you. That's right. I can't do, I mean, nobody can do Porky Pig like Bob Bergen because he's amazing. But thank you. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Bergman is the one to impress with that one because he is the voice of Elmer Fudd. Oh. Right. And Bugs Bunny. And oh. Sylvester the Cat. Is there know. is there anything that he can't do? No, I don't think so. He's just an all-around swell guy. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, all right. So uh, yes, welcome <laughs> to the Novice and Frank here. You. That was my attempt of uh, we were uh, yeah, a lot of pre-show for little, us. A little bit of pre-show. We were talking a lot about Drake. Yeah, and, we were. Uh, <laughs> and I was, that was my attempt to try to do something like the Hotline <laughs> Bling song. Is that what that was? That was it. See, yeah, it was terrible. Is so but I did not even realize that <laughs> until now. I'm sorry, uh, um, guys. Before we started um, recording here, put the sound so I don't mess up the sound. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, music and media, and Frank said that he didn't know any Pharrell songs, and I said bullshit, because uh, we both have been employed by Universal Studios at a time when that song was king. Well, no, Happy I know, but Bruno Mars, I yeah, couldn't. Well, yeah, well, Happy, yes. yeah, Happy's Pharrell, but, but that song by Bruno Mars used to play in the park like when you were, I think, going down the escalators, I think. I Maybe. well because I always remember there's like there was Abba uh, with Dancing Queen yes and then always. there was uh, the Pitch Perfect with the um, mm-hmm. the cups, cups. yep mm-hmm. and um, a shout from oh, yeah, Animal House that was the best one. yes every time they come on I would make my guests dance to it <laughs> and we'd have a great time down the <laughs> elevators and the escalators oh my gosh they love me uh, occasionally you'd hear the voice of Billy Bush. Uh, in doing some ins and outs on those songs, mm-hmm. but then they did away with Billy Bush and they just had the music playing. Yeah, they're like, no more. No more, you Billy Bush. Get out of here. They do something that we would only find out several years later. Yes, that's that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so he did. So you do know though, Uptown Funk. You just had to hear the beginning of it. Amazingly, I did. folks, Frank did not know Uptown Funk. You up. Uptown Funky, we had no idea, but when I said, um, when it started at the beginning of the song, which is, uh, um, oh my gosh, now I can't even do it because I'm on this the pressure. 
so anyway it's like something the very about song, ice, ice cold <laughs> oh and michelle pfeiffer yes yeah super hot look at yep that, See, i nailed no, I can't it because it's there but i sang the beginning of it and he's like oh yeah i know that one um so he knew that my similar thing that i should know because it's inundated our culture but i don't know is drake i have no the extent of my knowledge with drake is that he had, did a video with he had a funny sweater on and he did a funny dance so people made a meme out of it and that video was for um na 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 cell phone and then it was like na 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 hotline bling and that's all i know i don't know there you go anything else so <laughs> the point is that we're old and uh we're talking about comic books so we're really cool people thank you for listening to us we love you um, uh stop it's wait a minute <laughs> now wait <laughs> a minute well there you go good job thank you yeah uh as we record this uh and i'm getting excited it is a mere eight day no nine nine if we're gonna be technically friday uh, nine days away from the release of Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh my gosh, it is. That so is quick, it. Which means that by the time this comes out, we could rearrange things a little bit. By the time this comes out, the, the, the movie will have been out for a few weeks because we are very behind in releasing. Yeah. But we're going to do another crossover. Yes. So if you guys, for whatever reason, skipped the crossover episode uh, because you're like, we're so just in love with the Frank-Amanda dynamic. We don't want to add any more to this. We don't want to add any no. more ingredients to this beautiful you know, pasta salad. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you for that. That's so sweet of you to say that, but <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, but go back and, and maybe at this time go and uh, take a listen to that Spider-Man um, podcast. So now I know your feelings about Logan, yes, as well as Guardians of the Galaxy uh-huh. two and Wonder Woman. Uh-huh. So we've got and three Lego so movie. far, uh, and Lego Movie. Lego eh, you know, but, Lego but like, and that's that's fine. I'm, I'm, I guess I'll consider more live action. Okay, great. Live action superheroics. So of course we've got Spider-Man. We've got Thor coming out at the end of the year. Yes. Just without pre-release, where is this kind of falling into your uh, in excitement level about seeing this film? Um, it goes, well, Deadpool. Deadpool's first for me. I'm super psyched about Deadpool. Okay. Which was not on your list, but I'm going to say it. Uh, um, it goes Deadpool and then maybe Thor and then Spider-Man. So you're pretty, you're, you're pretty tepid on Spider-Man. I'm, you know what it is? I'm trying, I'm just managing my expectations because Deadpool I loved, so I'm excited about the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor, I did not see the first one, but the pre, the trailer for Thor looks very cool to me. It's actually, cut, yeah, it's cut very, very well. The trailer looks pretty neat, so I'm like, hmm. And then I've kind of tried to steer clear of the Spider-Man trailer because I think that, wasn't it, it was Trevor, those guys were saying that pretty much the, the trailer just says the whole story on it, Spider-Man Homecoming. So it I'm does, which is frustrating. Although I am, so I'm, I've, honestly, other than like the very first one that was released, I've kind of steered clear from the trailer, so I don't want everything like ruined for me and I want to go into kind of a blank slate. I am very excited, however, because the villain is Michael Keaton, right? Yes, you so are correct. So remembering that, that actually probably puts it above Thor. I'd forgotten that until just this moment. And I love Michael Keaton. Really? I do. Interesting. I'm a big fan. Uh, I saw him on uh, Late Show with Stephen Colbert a few days ago. He oh. was on. I think he was on Monday night. So I watched that interview. <sighs> Rough interview. Oh, I, really? I enjoy myself as a Michael Keaton. I think he sh- is. Did he seem shy and like awkward? Because that's how it he reads kinda, to me is kind of private and, and just sort of awkward. Yeah, he but, was just trying to tell the story and it was just kind of rambly and uh, not really like as solid as it could have been. It could have used just a little 
a, a little punch up work. Right now, people are thinking that exact same thing about our podcast. <laughs> okay, that's true. We're the <laughs> Michael Keaton of podcasts. Michael, I'm so okay with that. <laughs> that's the thing. I'm fine with it. All right. Well, that's good to know. I huh. yeah, I, I'm excited to see him in it though, and I think it'll be interesting because I generally think his performances are relatively understated. Hmm. So I don't know how he's going to do in like a. I, ironically, he's been now and you know he was in Batman and Batman Returns and he was in Birdman, which is not a superhero movie at all, but had kind of some some elements. It's true, about a man who did play a superhero at one point. He did play a superhero at one point. So I'm kind of um, interested to see how he does because my experience with Spider-Man movies is that they're so bright and over the top and kind of melodramatic. So. I'm 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 interested. I think it was an interesting choice. This you're speaking of the bright uh, and monochromatic. This is definitely the brightest, mm. just in terms of colors uh, of a Spider-Man that we've seen so far. They've really dialed up the the reds and blues to make him really pop, as opposed to the Andrew Garfield or Tobey Maguire ones. They're a little bit more subtle, or not nasty subtle, but more subdued in the reds and blues. Really? Okay. Yeah. I feel like if you were to look at you know. Like a Spider Man, like Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield dressed as Spider Man, uh-huh. and then our good old uh, what's his name? As that's how see, look at, <laughs> uh, uh, as Spider Man though, it's just yeah, it's just kind of reds and blues, kind of muted, and then pop. A uh, Tom Holland. A Tom Holland. Ah, I did did you see his entrance to the premiere? No. It was kind of funny. So he rolls up in this, <laughs> he rolls onto the red carpet in this car in the back of a car. Who the windows are tinted and stuff, but the car is a black car with like spider webs all over it. And he opens the door and hops out, and he's in his tux, and he's got a balled up Spider Man suit, like his like onesie. And he like looks around and kind of throws it in the back seat, and then shuts the door and walks off. Oh, which is kind of awesome. I thought that was yes. pretty fun. Come on. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Is like you know he like changed in the car or something, like thrown is what See? it looked like, which is cool. And did uh, there's like a little bit where he went to a, a children's hospital. I think mm. I was out here in Los Angeles. I love visiting it when they him. do that. Uh, but he was all he was in the Spider-Man costume visiting mm. uh, sick kids. That's cool. Chris Pratt does that all the time. And he would do the things as he was outside the hospital room. He would do kind of like a flip in. Oh wow! And then kind of and then walk in, chat with him. That's cool. And I was like, give it up, Tom Holland. That's man. neat, man. Uh, I'm excited. Great. So you're so we're in in the in that ranking where how how big of a deal you said you're excited. So is this your number one? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's uh, Spider. It's my two top superheroes: Superman, mm-hmm. Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty narrow gap between the two, but I'll put Superman number one there. Okay. Uh, but so I am I'm really jazzed because I feel like I've never I'm, I'm excited to see Spider Man in the Marvel universe. Okay. For real, as opposed to just you know having his own isolated universe, which. Is you know, I mean, Spider-Man Two is great with the Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. There's been some bright shining moments, but I've just uh, feel like you didn't love Spider-Man Three with moody emo Tobey Maguire that does a weird little dance on the street. That was rough. That that was, was rough. painful. The, <laughs> it was so hard to watch. Uh, the one thing I it was interesting. I remember watching it the first time, and the part that I did like was uh, the sequence at the beginning when he fights with Harry Osborn, uh-huh. and he's in his he's just in a, his suit coat and jacket and he's not in a costume mm-hmm. but they're flying around and spinning and of course you know it's not really not Tobey Maguire but right. they, they did a great job of making it look like it was him kind of doing all these aerial acrobatics and mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool to just see that as a little fun sequence but and I, I love a Sandman is a really cool villain but he, yeah. did, he was not used well here and Venom is one of the villains that I enjoy least in Spider-Man. Which is funny because I feel like the Spider-Man universe is kind of inundated with Venom. 
Yeah. Do you like I feel like I see I don't even know that much about Venom. I feel like I see Venom everywhere on everything. Venom has like the Venom like spin-off Venom and like Venom comes up in other with other characters. Like I don't I don't know I'm not articulating this well, but I feel like I'm I feel like as for as little as I know about Venom, I feel like I see Venom just everywhere. I remember, like, when is he was first. Is that just me, or is that is that no, no, that's true. Because in fact, in this week in the comic book shops, they just started off their big uh, event crossover or event series with uh, Venom, where he's going to uh, a, a bunch of symbiotes are going to take over a variety of different Marvel heroes. Okay, and you see them kind of transformed, which I'm not looking forward to. I will not be picking up that event. It does not suck me in at all. Do you think? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? It's, yeah, Marvel. You've lost my hard earned four ninety nine. Uh-huh. That's a lot of money. It is. Um, for a, for an issue, do you think that you are the unpopular opinion? I definitely think so. I mean, yeah, I, you think I, people I, are into Venom. It's just you and and me for not knowing. I don't. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, you, I mean, because that was a whole. I guess the story was that uh, Avi Arad. You know, I was like, you know, the kids love Venom. Kids love Venom. Sam Raimi, you got to get Venom into this movie. And uh, Sam Raimi, you know, acquiesced. Uh-huh. But he also used Sandman as well too. Yeah, but. I think that was the biggest mistake. He should not have. Sam Raimi just didn't have any affinity towards Venom. Didn't mm-hmm. really care about him. Mm. So he just it was just tough for him to really execute something mm. that you that you are are not personally invested in. Anything you got anytime too. I feel like you've got more than one villain, but they're not necessarily like working together. They're just two obstacles in a movie. I don't see how it just makes things so convoluted. I am I'm because I, I I'm trying to think of one that's been used very well that I feel like yeah. Uh, like Batman Forever, if you've got Two Face uh-huh. and the Riddler, but they but they team up. Yeah, yeah. They okay. team up together and they work. I'm not saying it was great. I'm yeah. just saying that like anytime you've got because Venom and Sandman don't work together in the movie, do they? Um, Spider Man. No, it's Green Goblin and Sandman that work against that team up to uh, to beat Spider Man. Oh, and then Venom's just around. Yeah, that's so weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's, it's like why. He just happens to show up at the same time, too, to lay a butt whipping on Peter Parker, who got rid of the symbiote costume. Oh, okay. And then it just latches on to Eddie Brock, and it's like, all right, now Eddie Brock's got him at him. When he was first introduced, I thought I was like, okay, this is cool. Uh, I remember reading his first introductions and, and liking it in, in The Amazing Spider-Man, because it was like something kind of cool and kind of different. But then I quickly got <coughs> tired of that, where it's just like he... Symbiote was mad at Peter Parker, and Eddie Brock, who was in the Venom costume, was also mad at Peter Parker. So they were both had this incredible hard mad on for Peter Parker. Okay, and it was just That's I, complicated. No, and then I feel like the trouble is with any kind of a villain that gains a lot of popularity, mm-hmm. then you got to figure out like, well, how can we make them like an antihero? Huh? Kind of dial it back from being a complete ruthless, bloodthirsty monster. To like, no, 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 there's some kind of redeeming qualities. Yeah, got to give them their humanity. Yeah, because, you know, <laughs> everybody loves this character. We want to put more out of it, but we can't just put like a villain. He's got to have some kind of, we want to be able to root for him too. Yeah. So, you know, then they dial back a couple aspects. They call him like the lethal protector. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. Uh, uh, that sucks. Because uh, he, he was actually, because for the longest time, he was just Venom. And then. They did a storyline where the symbiote got taken off of Eddie Brock. It was put on the Scorpion for a while, and uh-huh. then he was Venom. And then I got taken off of uh, Scorpion and put on Flash Thompson, who was an old friend of Peter Parker's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of a bully to him in high school, but they became friends later. And Flash Thompson had served in the military, had had lost his legs. 
So then when the symbiote got introduced to him, he was able to use the symbiote to kind of create legs for him again, which I thought was kind of an interesting take. Yeah. And it became like Agent Venom. He was, you know, the idea was that he could only, he would only have the symbiote on for a certain amount of time to prevent like it bonding with him. So he'd have to do a mission and then take it off. Uh, and then eventually, because if he stayed with it too long, then they get connected. And mm. of course they read around it, so they did. But he, he was he wasn't like the big hulking venom that was first introduced in Spider Man. He was yeah. more like a kind of like a just like a really like a military guy that had venom clothing colored on. And then he went out into space. He joined the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then you find out that the symbiote he went to the symbiote's home planet and find out that the temperament that the symbiote has now is the incorrect temperament of the symbiote, <laughs> but had been damaged through all his trials and tribulations. So they kind of fixed him. You know, they kind of repaired his. You know his instability, and then he became like, "Oh man, I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm cool," and he got like really bulky space armor, and he became you know a Venom Space Knight. Was he did that for a while? Space Knight, that was his name. Yep, he had a series where he was out in outer space, to, you know, fighting the good fight, and then eventually he got Brock back to Earth. Eddie Brock, uh, Flash Thompson loses it. The Venom gets put on Eddie Brock, and now we're back. All work began again <laughs> with Eddie Brock back as a muscular Venom who they just have to come up with some reason for that symbiote to also hate Spider-Man again. And they write their best to get to that point so that, you know, Eddie, who's never really been a fan of Peter, and now you've got the symbiote who now has this kind of just, you know, not, not really legitimate reason to be mad, but he's just like, this will work. So for him to hate Peter Parker, cool, let's get him back together again. And now we can have, like, the Venom status quo that we've always liked. Wow. That was a long and detailed story of a character that you don't like. That's true. But it was good. I mm. feel it was good. I'm just, I'm impressed that you know so much. It's funny that you're like, no, I'm not going to go out of my way to like learn what he's doing. But then you, you kind of know though. You're like, so you're so aware of the whole story. Yeah. That's why I'm the, that's why I'm the Frank. <laughs> that's, that's why you're the Frank. <laughs> oh, people out there, please make Frank a wall hanging that says, that's why I'm the Frank. Ugh. Oh, so yes. good. Not uh, good. Should we do the hottest, hottest, hottest segment? segment in town? Yes. Let's do it. Of course. We're talking about what's in, in the bag. bag. Oh, people hate us. Um, mm, not true, but they hate me. They love you. No, not true. You you want to, I did the honors last time. You want to pull one out of this bag? <sighs> oh my gosh. All right. All right. I'm not okay. going to be greedy. So this is uh, a mystery bag. We have uh, a no. lot of signed items in here, yeah. but just different things. I will say just up front, like last week's uh, pull, last episode's pull was exceptional. Mm-hmm. A lot of great stuff. I'm hoping I feel like I, I feel like we've reached the high point, and now I worry that it could only be downhill from here. Oh, that's such a fingers crossed. Says a lot about your outlook, doesn't it? <laughs> that's right. All right, I'm going in. I'm going a little deeper. There we go. That's what she said. That's right. <laughs> She's over. Say to my ladies. That's right. Oh, yeah. Right, what what is it? <laughs> Nightfall. We got Batman number four ninety seven, uh, chapter eleven of Nightfall. So right here we've got a sweet Kelly Jones cover. Kelly Jones, man, there's just not like anatomy that he could not just exaggerate, you know, to its Yeah, that's point. amazing because I love. <laughs> so what's amazing here, and I'll take a picture and put it up on Instagram. Uh, so you've got a big giant guy. Is that Bane? That is Bane. That is a ginormous. That's the most hulking Bane I've ever seen, and Batman has muscle groups that I've never seen on a person and he's yeah. bent over Ben's knee. And like, then you have a dinosaur that has like 
just slowly inched his head in <laughs> and it's like he's smiling for the camera smiling for the artist it's almost like he popped his head in and went hey girl hey and he's gonna like <laughs> slide his head right back off well this is the dinosaur that's in the back cave yes so there's always a dinosaur yeah he's around uh but this you're right so we've got bane who's got batman over his knee because he's gonna be in the process of breaking his back yep but as amanda said like this his upper torso is incredibly elongated to be able to have the six pack, those side muscles that you see on the ribs. He's got like a side eight pack. Yeah, it's uh, and this this thigh, look how huge that thigh is. It's a beautiful thigh. It's, have you read this? I have read this. I, oh, and we also have the giant penny. That's also in the back. Oh, he's on a penny. Too. Okay, I wasn't there sure. I was like, what is that? I thought it was a cliff. Uh, this, of course, is where Bane first gets introduced, and he comes uh, to uh, Gotham City with one vendetta is that he wants to break the bat. Okay. And the way that he wants to do that, of course, is like, all right, I'm going to challenge Batman, uh, but I'm not going to do it directly. You know, I'm going to unleash all of his greatest enemies, and they're going to kind of chip away at him a little bit over time. And then I'm finally going to come in. He released them from Arkham, Arkham? Asylum. So he blows mm-hmm. up Arkham Asylum. They all take off. So Batman is like, man, I, okay, it's not just me taking on the Joker by himself. I've also got to take on the Joker, the Riddler, the Scarecrow, all these other villains that you know. usually I'm used to taking on one at a time. Yeah. Now I've got to go constantly keep like running through a gauntlet of, yeah. of, of, his, of these villains. This is the first appearance of Bane? That isn't the first appearance of Bane. Bane appears early in the story. And this is, so this is chapter 11 of Nightfall. Oh, but in the series, this is Bane's first. Yeah. So He's this... only been around since 93? Mm, yeah. They must have made that movie right after he was introduced. Uh, Well, I think he was... Batman Forever? Yeah. Oof. And he was not used to good use Or Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin it was, was Bat- that oh, one. Yeah. You're that was welcome, everybody. One. Yep. <laughs> that was terrible, uh, you know, with Alicia Silverstone. And Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Our boy Chris O'Donnell. Yep. George Uma Clooney. Uma Thurman. Yep. I actually happen to think that Uma Thurman was a fabulous Poison Ivy. Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. Uh-huh. And then you've got some no-name guy who becomes... My vines have a crush on you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Nicely done. Like, that Bane, like, bears... No uh, resemblance. Uh, except in appearance. But, I mean, he's just like some kind of... Na- just some faceless, nameless you know, brute that just kind of like just growls but in the really, movie yeah in he the just movie. goes burn yeah he doesn't even become you know like the tom hardy bane until much later he in uh you know, i was born on the dock i'm just remembering now all the great banes uh, there are two <laughs> so um bane so then shows up at gotham city fights batman then breaks his back and then throws him down off the side of a building down into the streets of gotham and says all right now look at this i've beaten your great protector you know i'm, I'm the man now and then batman has to rebuild himself to go uh, and fight Bane. So is this, okay, so this backbreaking thing. Yes. Is this, because it sounds to me awfully reminiscent of um, the when he is in the prison and he breaks his back and then has to go get retrained in the movie. Mm, yeah. So is that a take on this or it, is it a completely other storyline? No, it is, a, it is a take on that. Uh-huh. Certainly, you know, Bane, like, yeah, because like in the movie, he does break his back. But it's in the prison that Bane was born in. Yes. Uh, here, though, uh, no, this he actually shows up in, in the Batcave and says, you know what? I'm laying an ass whipping on you right here. 
right now. Batman's exhausted because he's had to fight so many of his other villains, and uh, he's been running ragged, hardly any sleep. And Bane uh, breaks his back, brings him up high overhead, and then there's a big old crack as he cracks him back over his knee, mm. shatters, his, he breaks his back, and then throws him on the ground. And Batman's gotta Got come it. back. And then it's just nine issues of physical therapy. <laughs> That's right, yeah, it's yeah, it goes really in deep. You know, we have one issue, one one whole. Issue is devoted to just the first time he gets up onto like the little parallel yeah, bars. Yeah, whole other issues: the, the benefits of inversion therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's really working through some things. He's in an iron lung for one issue. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. Uh, oh. So this introduces uh, like Azrael as the replacement Batman. Okay. And he becomes like this really like way extreme dark version of Batman, where he's. I don't know Azrael. I don't know how that is. Azrael was uh, Jean Paul. Jean Paul who uh, was raised by these uh, monks, as, as, uh, the Order of St. Dumas. And uh, they, uh, he, he, there's the title of Azrael. And so he is introduced in this the sort of Azrael series in Batman for a while, and he becomes like kind of this ancillary character in the Batman universe. And then when Batman has this uh, happen to him, uh, he takes on the title. Hmm. Uh, and... I think this is a good way to show kind of like they did this, this happened around similar to the same time as like the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to kind of show you why these versions of these heroes are important and necessary. And I love they're like, you don't appreciate us. We're going to kill them well, for I a guess, while. Yeah, I guess to, to remind you like, yeah, you, you know, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a take for granted, but I think it's like just to remind the audience like, yeah, these that's why these characters have become so popular and are so important is because of you know how they approach being a hero so you have these various doppelgangers in the superman death of superman story that all claim to be superman mm-hmm. and then you find out you know one is like this terrible you know is an evil person that's kind of trying to use the corrupt the superman identity oh. and in this one you've got azrael who who uh with all good intentions at the beginning you know is going to step in and be batman but slowly, you know, just changes and his perception, his perspective gets warped and he goes really off the deep end in terms of vengeance and mm-hmm. stuff. But you understand, like, all right, that is taking the idea of Batman. If it's taken to that extreme, you know, he's that's no good. He's no better than the people that he's trying to stop. Yeah. So you figure out, like, why this version of Batman, why Bruce Wayne's Batman, why right. Clark Kent's Superman are so needed uh within the structures of the DC universe because of their moral compass. There you go. Hmm. Yeah. I learned yeah. something. Look at you. The more you know. That's right. See, that's why you're needed here because, you know, to, to provide me with a moral compass. Oh, thank you. I would have killed two people today. No. There you go. So that, uh, I'll close the book on what's, what's in, in the, the bag. bag. Perfect. <laughs> so closing one book, opening another book. <sighs> Again, proving why you're the master of the segue. Oh, thank you so much. You uh, went to school for that, right? Yeah, I, I got my uh, PhD in segways. Love I'm it. a I'm Doctor Segway. <laughs> Speaking of doctors, oh. uh, this one's going nowhere. Um, so we did a little bit of a golden age, golden age stuff. Yes, uh, a pick by me. Yes, it I was a pick to, by yes. you. Uh, the Golden Age, written by James Robinson, drawn by Paul Smith. Yes. And uh, basically uh, dives into a lot of the characters that formed the Justice Society and the All-Star Squadron back in the uh, the late 30s, early 40s, mm-hmm. who fought uh, both domestically, most, mostly domestically, uh, during the war. Yeah. And you find out kind of the reasons why they didn't go abroad for the most part. All right. So 
So I so that is, this is my pick. Yes. Uh, I know getting back into the super heroics, uh-huh. but it's the an older school generation of them. What did you think? Um, I enjoyed it. It was darker than I thought it was going to be. That's a weird thing to say, but I was thinking like, oh, the golden age when ladies wore this thing and men were men. Like that's kind of what I was expecting going in, even though it was written in the nineties, right? It's from yes. yeah. Um, but I thought that it was going to be. It was dark. It's like a lot of deaths, lots of deaths. But I like the way that you talked about that because, like, the beginning where they it's in black and white, mm-hmm. and then slowly starts introducing color. Yeah, as they kind of bring it up to kind of like going from the newsreel kind of like what the story is and then bringing you into like all right now we're going to catch up into where we're at currently in life mm-hmm. i thought that was kind of an interesting way to kind of yeah thematic kind of show it on the page yeah i thought it was cool and you know it was it was interesting to me because it was so few characters that i was familiar with and it made me very aware of i i like the way it segued i mean i know i'm jumping kind of from the beginning to the end but i like how at the end it segues like a pure an age of pure silver you know, yes. I thought that was kind of cool. And then for me, this gave me, I feel like I hear you talk about the gold age a lot mm-hmm. of comic books and this like versus gold and silver age. And for me, this gave me context. It was kind of nice to be like, oh, there are all of these people I have, I've never heard of before. Does that, cause I know how you like to are, you'd like to get in on the ground floor of things. I do. But does something like this where you learn that, you know, almost like it's reading like a history book and you learn about like these historical events or you know, people that you'd never really heard of before. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Lincoln, he sounds like a swell guy. I'm going to go read a biography on him. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you kind of feel the same way there? It's like, oh, wow, there's this whole generation of heroes I never really knew about. It, I'm curious to learn more. It did, actually. Yeah. Because I think that that's that's interesting. Right. It's these guys you never you really don't ever hear of. So, yeah, I would go I would go read. I would go back just, I mean, almost for your, it wouldn't really be nostalgia for me because I didn't grow up with it, but I'm curious enough that I would like to go back and read the really old ones just because I think that the sometimes it's sort of fun. The the language is funny and... Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I feel like you're seeing... And they look so different, all of them, so they're so barrel-chested yes. and, you know... Uh, the the some of the line work is you know the the drawing is a little bit more crude mm-hmm. some of it's some of it's beautiful like a, like a bill albert who's drawing like submariner and stuff and then you get some other ones that are just a little yeah i don't know it's not quite as refined hmm. and uh, yeah you're right a lot of a lot of a lot of talking a lot of board balloons a lot of maybe very simplistic stories mm-hmm. i feel like the I don't know. It feels weird, like because like a lot of these characters I really love, and yet I've never really felt compelled to read a lot of their original stories from back in the '40s and mm. '30s, only because I feel like eh, they're not going to be that great. Yeah, I'd rather see them being told in in stories that were created in the '70s, '80s, all the way up to present day. Because then I feel like I'm getting something that I can at least the art's a little bit better, the storytelling maybe a little bit better, mm. and I feel like uh, I'll, I could dial into those characters a little bit more. I think for me, I, I wouldn't read it for like a really good story. It's not like I'm going to, I would walk into a store and see like the newest issue of Bitch Planet and see the the this old Golden Age comic and be like, which one is going to, which one am I going to like more? Like which one am I going <laughs> to relate to more? But for me, it's something about um, knowing being able to read and it's such it's like a it's like a time capsule because you get to go and you get to see what they thought was important then like how people spoke then and the you know i don't even know what i'm trying to say and comics are cool that way because 
it's kind of like if you go and you read a really old like an, an article in an old playboy or an article in an old um you know or even like a recipe in like an old like home and garden right because it's so indicative of like what the ideals were of that time yeah it just gives you like just like a, a window into that. yeah it's like an honest window or an or a window of what they thought things should be like if you read like better homes and gardens you know about like planning the perfect tea party you know you get to see like what they thought a perfect tea party was what they thought the perfect you know um hostess looked like and the perfect finger foods to serve and you know you'll be as elegant as the women of you know as the women of london and all of you know all of these things <laughs> i feel like i think about that sometimes people go through and they look at our magazines from now you know and like what are they gonna well we don't have magazines now that's part of it <laughs> there i just saw a post oh gosh it was early this morning where it had uh it was uh two photos put together mm -hmm. and on the left was a photo uh it says it, the date's 1917 and says oh hey look a picture of your grandpa and it's like this old black and white photo of somebody back 20s 30s you know just kind of wearing this and he looked pretty dapper right you know, the way he was dressed and uh then it has 2057 and it says hey look a picture of your grandpa and it's just a dude with his shirt off but just really buff yeah and uh, like, it, it's interesting just think like how like photos of us mm -hmm. now just are, are not going to be at all kind of very similar to like what photos of our grandparents. No, like. because they're so, I mean, to get a great photo of yourself, then you had to like hire a photographer. And even, and that's what's so funny, right? Is like our parents, our moms, if they wanted like a super snazzy photo, they'd go to like Olin, like Olin Mills, they'd do glamour shots. Yeah. You know, my mom and aunt have glamour shots that I of them like as adults, but they went that was yeah, you know, it was the thing I remember it, right? You know, you'd go and they'd like do your hair and they'd put you in like tulle dresses that weren't yours and stuff and they'd do these like glamour headshots and it was such a thing. It was such a big deal. Get that hair nice and puffed out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like, it's fun to see these like amazing glamour shots. And they look beautiful. That's the thing. Like they look so pretty, but they're so very telling of the times. And now I think it's going to be such a weird thing. And also just how photography progresses because we've gotten different types of cameras and different, all different technology. But, you know, most people now, if they put up a photo of themselves that they think is a good photo, a lot of people use a selfie. And That's it's true. like, here's this picture that I took of myself in my choice lighting after practicing several times and then applied a filter to it, you know? And I don't think that that's necessarily bad it's just so different than, you know, 50 years ago. Like, it's so drastically different, you know? If you wanted to take a selfie in, they weren't even called that, but, like, if you want to take a picture of yourself, you'd have to, like, wind, for us, for us when, we, when you and I were kids, right? You have to, yeah. like, wind your film camera, the, like, disposable Kodak that you got just for a vacation because oh, it was true. special. You'd, like, wind it and, like, hope that you were even in the photo. You had no idea if you were in photo or not. <laughs> so you really didn't do it much because, like, I'm not going to waste one of my 24 frames on this <laughs> roll yeah. on a picture of myself. I'm going to take a picture of that <laughs> dolphin, you know? So I think it's, it's just really, I don't know, it's interesting. That's kind of a long explanation, but I kind of feel like comic books are a cool um they can kind of capture that a little bit and you know sometimes you're reading a comic book that is about you know this one is written in the 90s but it's looking back on another period of time you know and so when people read this in 
like we could read this and say, well, the art is really '90s, but it's like a '90s filter on a on a golden age story. I I but it's like what reading this, I never felt like yeah, this art's kind of like a little you know dated. Yeah, I, I didn't I, either. I, I really it, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was really um I thought it was easy to read and nice to look at. And uh, James how Rock. I like how I like my men. <laughs> Easy, Easy to, to read, read and nice, nice to look at. Uh, well, one tiny change here for a second. I uh, Amanda is getting married, folks, uh, later this year, mm. uh, and as she's been talking about glamour shots. She's actually the wedding photographer. We'll be doing glamour shots of yeah, everybody. Yeah, we'll be doing some crimping. So if you guys have any suggestions for crimpers or foam rollers, please send them my way. No styling rods. <laughs> and by styling rod, I mean a curling iron, but they call them styling rods in the seventies. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Uh, so James Robinson, the writer for this, he also did a, a series uh, for DC called Sandman, or excuse me, Starman. There it is. That uh, I I really enjoyed that series. It's uh, he is somebody that loves history and Starman is the one who felt guilty because he thought he contributed to the A bomb. Yes. In this, so, in this? okay. Uh, and so the series that he writes in the '90s is based on one of his on his youngest son Jack, basically taking over the mantle of Star Knight. So. Uh, so Ted Knight has two sons. He has uh, David Knight, Jack Knight. David Knight kind of basically followed in his father's footsteps, and uh, I think pretty much like one of the first few times that he went out to go fight crime, he gets killed. Okay. And then Jack kind of basically steps in to basically find who killed his his brother, but then decides, you know, I'm going to take on this mantle. My father and I were kind of they were kind of estranged. He was more like the black sheep, and David was the one that kind of followed in Dad's footsteps. And him taking on the mantle, you watch this, I think it goes 81 issues. But it's basically just how these this father and this son kind of find their way back together again and refor- re, uh, reforge those family bonds. And that it's is, a really good series. I think that's an interesting premise. I would read that. Yeah, it's really cool, and it has a lot of tie-ins. They do uh, every, every year he'll do uh, – like my dinner with David, or uh, he meets his his brother mm-hmm. who's kind of like take like a ghost, but they they will meet each year and they'll kind of explore some different aspect of life, which yeah. is kind of cool. That's neat. Yeah, so, I uh, that's I would probably read that. So yeah, any I guess anybody interested in uh, how, do you, how would you summarize this, Frank? If you had to summarize, I don't know that at the beginning of this we actually did a <laughs> yeah. summary like we usually do. Oh no! So yeah, basically this is what happens after the wars ended. And I think it happens to a lot of people. It's like, what do you do after after the war? People mm-hmm. trying to find their place in the world. Then uh, you which war? Uh, world War Two. There You're it right, is. Correct. World War Two. The, the the war we've, to end all. We've wars. had so many. That's true. <laughs> it's. I want to make sure we said which one. So I feel like it's a it's definitely something that a lot of people can relate to. What happens when you come back, and mm-hmm. how does life progress? But it's also introducing stuff in the late uh, late forties, early fifties, uh, when you start getting uh, you know. Third of the Russians, you know, communism. Our, you know, we can start getting those, you know, the HUAC meetings. Uh, you know, finding out are you are you uh, are you red? Mm-hmm. Should we blacklist you? Things right. like that. And we see a lot of the uh, the the heroes, the superheroes that we've known, like Flash, Green Lantern. A lot of them, they're just kind of retired. Yeah, you know, after the war's over, there really wasn't a need for them anymore, so they just kind of faded back in and resumed civilian lives. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. We just find out, though, that, uh, you know, a threat is, you know, rearing its ugly head. Lots of brain transplants. And Hitler. Hitler, too. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I would recommend this. Was it as fun for you going back and rereading it as it was before? It it was enjoyable to go back and read again. Mm -hmm. And it, these are, 
I, I'm a sucker for these characters. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, I, I can understand why James Robinson loves these characters too. He revisits them in the Starman title that he writes. And I can see why he did a series like this. He's got a, he's a soft spot for these characters and I do too. Yeah. So to see them, to see the characters that I always had a fascination with as a kid, mm -hmm. to see them treated, uh, in a really kind of mature story mm -hmm. was thoroughly enjoyable for me. And it's, and what made it even better is the, the art was just so good. Yeah. There was another series, All-Star Squadron, which for the first, I'm going to say, 25 issues had had uh, great story and really incredible art. In fact, it, the art really launched itself when Jerry Orgley took over, like in the teens. He was inking a lot, but then he took over penciling as well. And man, that was just so incredible. Hmm. But uh, then after that, I think the series went to issue 53, but they had a lot of different artists and many of the artists weren't that good. And it was a shame to like characters. I really wanted to you know, be excited about reading, but like, I feel like the art was just, you know, secondhand. Yeah. I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting the great artwork that I artwork that I wanted to see with these characters. Yeah. So to see these characters and get these, this fantastic Paul Smith arc, uh, was was great and it was it was this is a fun reread for sure it was a yeah it was a fun <coughs> first first read for me so thank you for the recommendation oh well thank I you for accepting it. the recommendation uh, of course <laughs> uh guys if you are listening you have anything that you think we should read um good bad or ugly please let us know uh you can tweet at us using uh hashtag the novice and frank or tag us on instagram um you can find me at comic book novice on instagram and twitter yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. That's right. And uh, and folks, if you if if you have a book that you love us to review, mm -hmm. if you have stories that that you love, yeah, that you love to have us read and talk about as well, you can tweet us or email us, and we would love to uh, you know hear what you have to say, and we'll read the stories you su you suggest as well. We'd love that. Yeah, we love uh, recommendations. On that note, I don't think we have any new recommendations couple things that we've back pocketed yeah um do, is there anything that you really want to read well i know that i i uh, you know amanda and i were texting during the course of the week uh-huh because we're real friends in real life irl <laughs> is that what irl is yeah i don't know what that in real life. That. i'm not cool there you go. i'm pretty with it you're guys. pretty hip i'm pretty connected um, you're hip af <laughs> Hi. Hi. this podcast is getting lit no. Yeah. No. Hey, we not. got we got to stay woke. Okay. <laughs> we got to stay woke. <laughs> Old people with microphones. <laughs> uh, so I texted her. There was a big sale on Comixology that happened last week with Vertigo. Yes. They're offering a sixty percent off everything in their line. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I I shot a few ideas toward at you. Yes. I don't know if you had a chance to go and and peruse any of the the I wares. I picked up a there. couple of things that you yeah. recommended. What what it, I don't remember what they were though because I haven't uh, started reading them yet. Uh, I suggested top ten. Okay. Which is basically uh, Alan Moore, written written by Alan Moore, who's done like Watchmen, who did uh -huh. Swamp Thing, yeah. a variety of different things. This is basically, the, it's a world filled with uh, people that are uh, with special abilities or, you know, you know, super science, things like that. But they're, they're, they're on a whole world that's built like that. They are the police force. Okay. It's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, and the, the art, the art is phenomenal just because there's a lot of great, uh, background Easter eggs to pick up as well. Feels like a pretty hard sell. I I'm a sucker for that. We also have <laughs> unfollow, which is something more recent. Uh huh. Which is uh, basically somebody tweets out to I think like 180 people on Twitter mm -hmm. that they're all eligible for this 
Yeah, all oh, this money. Oh, I think I've heard about that one. Have yeah. you read it yet? I, I've started reading the first few issues. Okay. Uh, and then got distracted. So I've I during the sale, I picked up all the ones that I hadn't had a chance to read yet. Okay. Do you want to read Unfollow? Yeah. And then we can come back just because we just we've done a couple superheroes in a row. Yeah. So this is all about like almost like the people are hunting each other and trying to eliminate eliminate each other so that they can be the one that gets this money. Yes. The dark side of technology. Yes. All right, great. Yeah, unfollow. So I'm excited. We're going to read a little unfollow, yeah. which is super fun. So if you guys have read it, let us know what you think. Um, and we will be discussing that next time. Ooh. And now we'll play ourselves out because you got to get out of here. You got to go to a hot afterbar show. I got to go. You know, people want my time. Yeah. Foolishly. Very, very valuable. Foolishly. <laughs> no. But yes. Yes, definitely. No. All right. Let's, uh, let's sing the song. Great. Like the superheroes, Frank is a national treasure. I need to be buried deep and never rediscovered. Are you really dead or like Superman? What's the deal with that guy right now in D.C.? He's the real Superman, and he has a plan. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He's got a wife and son now. <gasps> Spoiler alert. He's got a new costume now. Spoiler alert. We'll be back next week at the same bat time on the same bat channel. We are the novice and Frank. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Never unbury me. No. Please keep me deep. Bury, bury me deep. <laughs> no promises. <laughs>